0: You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on on Cancelled? Oh, How are yeah, you guys doing? Nice. Thank you no, yeah. so much for tuning no, that's in. Good. That's That was good. That's oh, one. yeah. That's good. It was just like last week was like a really long one. I had to hit <laughs> so it real I fast. I put a timer up for that one? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was definitely a record for, for shortness. I, yeah. Gotta be. Yeah, you, you had to like do it a little bit because like if you did it, it it's was just like, like, "What is going on?" That's not. That's what That's
1: like, is. uh... are okay. we on the Uncancelled podcast? Yeah, it's you just know. not. It's just right. not. Uh, website we coming
0: are. soon. No, <laughs>
1: just kidding. No, <laughs> no need. All right.
0: Well, what's up, man? Hey, we're here. Uh, how you doing? Um, it's good, man. Uh, you know, it's almost dark outside. Crazy. I, I don't like that. You it's, know, it's I like terrible. it. For a, change.
1: for a change, I like to change the seasons and I enjoy that type of stuff, man. I like the change of seasons, but like <coughs> when it's like five o'clock and dark out, like it can still be winter and get dark at six. Okay. And especially right now, you know, for those of you who don't know, we've gotten into golf recently yeah. and if you have a, yeah, yeah, if you have yeah, a yeah, yeah. 315 tee time, guess what, buddy? You're cuffed. you're only getting through 5 or 6 holes max. I think I think I'm
0: going to go next next week when I'm off. For
1: you. Yeah, and I think you should come if you're not if you're, I'll do yeah, if you're, I'll do if, what I can to
0: get there. Yeah, the the links. Um all right, today we're going to be talking about should a Christian celebrate Thanksgiving? No, I'm just kidding. It's not, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> we're not talking that's about good. that. That really should not be a should not be like a topic of co- like it probably is like among some people, but Maybe. like but like breaking news. Uh enjoy your turkey and your football and be all that thankful. stuff. Be, and just be thankful, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> be thankful that you live in a country that isn't yeah. like, you know, like trying to kill you. Um, all right, well, we're back. We're better than ever. You know the deal. And it is time to rate, rate that, that Oreo. Oreo. Come on now. Oh, what do you got today? It's pink.
1: This is, uh, so I went to 203 Exotics. We said that last week. And uh, I just grabbed four. And this one just caught my eye because it's, it's black and it's pink. And that's what it's called, black, pink, Oreo. And you looked it up, and, and what did we decide on it? Yeah, so uh, they have another version
0: of it that's the same, but it's the reverse. Okay, it's called Black Pink, but it's the it's reverse. It's, it's pink black. Yeah, I, I guess so. But it's called it's called Black Pink either hmm. way. It's like it's it's apparently it's like a company, and they partnered with Oreo. Interesting. And it's a strawberry. Uh, it's, it's a strawberry filling with a chocolate cookie. I think based on look. I don't think it'd be a bad idea to assume that this is a strawberry cookie with um, chocolate filling. If it is, I'm so excited. Yeah. If the cookie chocolate. is just
1: dyed pink, that's 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 the only concern that I had. Is you know, is this just a normal Oreo, but the cookies dyed pink and the and the frostings dyed black? Because that'd be very disappointing. It's
0: a meow. If it is, yeah. Like it's a major meow. Okay. Did you see uh,
1: where it was from? Like when you looked it up.
0: I see Hong on it. <laughs> But I don't think it means Hong Kong. It says <laughs> 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 Hong, Hong, Hong Kemp Kim Sokola. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I want to see Thailand, based on because is, no, Hong Kong is not in Thailand. That's Bangkok. Hong
1: Kong is in that's China.
0: Yeah, it's just <sighs> not China. That it's that that, that it's from. Uh, I have no idea if you're gonna edit that out or not. But if you don't, uh, if you don't, uh, we're just having some fun yeah. today, guys. No, that's it's uh, that's it. It's um, good. We'll find out. We'll see. Uh, we'll it see actually how this goes. does look like it's Thailand, and here's why. I see the word "fo" and I've heard like that's like no wait that's Vietnam.
1: Yeah, that is Vietnam. This might be Vietnamese. I'll uh, I'll put a little. This is where it's from.
0: Cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess I lift every day. He
1: opens every day. What do you open every day? Your car door. Your bedroom door. What if
0: we talked in a monotone voice the entire time? Um,
1: that wouldn't be as entertaining. No, man.
0: Apparently, I don't. Oh, my gosh. What is this? There's like, it's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, hey. Oh, these are tiny. Little guys? <laughs> huh? Is it little?
1: I think strawberry.
0: I think strawberry, man. And I'm excited for it. All right. All right, let's give it a, why does this keep falling? Do I need to tighten it? Yeah. Right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Strawberry.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's
1: a slapper. Oh, that's good. Wait, that's good. Wow. What do you think the frosting is? Just chocolate? It's like, a very good chocolate though. That's good.
0: Like it's like very it has like a it has like it kinda has like a
1: hot cocoa taste to it, to be mm. honest with you.
0: You you like that, don't you?
1: Yeah. Here's what oh. happens. Here's what you're experiencing when okay. you put this in your mouth. Let's hear it. Probably a little oh man, it's like a strawberry hot chocolate. Yeah. And like the cookie is kinda it's a great texture. It's nice. It's
0: like a shortbread kind of texture.
1: Yeah, it's 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 yeah. That's perfect, dude.
0: This is great. This is really good. I'm really happy. With, wow. I'm really happy. The it. aftertaste. Oh yes, it's like brownie batter kind of. Let let like the after.
1: Oh, so man. much is happening. I'm so glad it wasn't just dyed. That's great. That's really good. I'm so excited <laughs> right now to rate this right now. All right, man. Let's see this. It, you nailed it with the hot chocolate. Like yeah. I feel like I'm drinking a hot chocolate from Cumby's.
0: Yeah, okay, fair enough.
1: The best one, by the way. The best one.
0: Um. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm happy. I'm excited. Yeah. It's um, good. It's really good. I'm really excited. I'll be honest with you. I almost just snagged another and popped it in my mouth, just like right <laughs> on the potty, like right now. Um. This is great, guys. You should get some. You should get some, Black Pink Oreos because it's good. It's really good, and it's different, and I
1: like it. It is different. It's definitely different. Wow. All right, well. Wow. Ben. Yeah.
0: How many of these are you eating? If you had a whole package of them, not just this. Like a, like a, a big guy? Like, in a, yeah, in a day where like you're like, you know, we've Jeez. talked about you can eat a sleeve of Oreos. Could you eat a sleeve of these?
1: I think that I could. I wouldn't enjoy it quite as much as those peanut butter chocolate pie ones. Okay. But I could. It's very good. I'm, I'm going to say I could eat a ton
0: of these. Is it better than a regular Oreo? You can tell by the silence that it's a real thinker.
1: I think it's very close for me. I, the flavor is really good and it is yeah. different and like I enjoy it. It's, it's hot chocolate with a little strawberry, which is just different, but like it works well together. Um, it's really close. It might be like neck and neck. If yeah, it's, I was if about it's better.
0: I was actually going to say that that they're tied. Like if yeah. somebody put them next to each other and said, do you want one? I might as well just like blindfold myself and pick one because like it's it's not like I, I like it would more be what I'm in the mood for. Right. right. Because this is right. chocolate and strawberry where right. a regular Oreo is just like just like chocolate and, and, and cream. You know, you know what I mean? Mm. So I I
1: really like it. This might be the first one that we've tried. Besides maybe the chocolate peanut butter one. That would go well with milk. Oh, yeah. This
0: would go well with milk. Yeah. It, 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 definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is really good, guys. Um, I, I got a rating for it, and I'm ready to lock it in.
1: I'm locked in as well. Should we say it at the same time? Sure. All right. I don't think we're going to agree. Okay. Three, two, one, nine
0: point
1: five. Nine point five. I thought you were going to go with a 9.5. And I'm at a 9. It's it's really, really good. I just think that you like it a tiny bit more than me.
0: Yeah, I think I do. I think I do like it a little bit But it's really good. Uh, it's really I, good. I, I, I really like it. I really would recommend this. Uh, you know what's interesting is that I don't know why our taste buds never drastically disagree with each other.
1: Like on this. Yeah, Oreos have been pretty... Uh,
0: Pretty similar. Yeah, because like here's the thing. Like we like most people I would say do agree with us ultimately. But like there's been a couple people, like you know, like Sky or Grace yeah. that have been like, Oh no, I like these. Yeah.
1: And they're like, oh no, this is you gave it a you gave it a four, I'd give this an eight. Like yeah. they really liked them, you know? Yeah, no. Um, I think that when we were doing the snacks, just the foreign snacks, there was <laughs> there was some some differences. But I don't know. Something about Oreos just just brought us together.
0: Yeah, it brought us together, man. Yeah. Well, that's
1: it for rate that
0: Oreo. That was a long one. Yeah, we'll be back with some Bible teaching in a sec. Here we go. Well, hello, uncancelled, and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, because I won't be on next Thursday because it will be Thanksgiving and I'm not gonna be coming to the church. Uh, maybe someday I'll have my own studio in my house and I'll do a recording on Thanksgiving. That'll be sneaky. That'd be sneaky. Who knows what what if I did a live I did a live uncancelled on Thanksgiving? Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm actually uh, not uh, doing my normal Thanksgiving plans this year. It's a little different for me. Um, but anyway, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Go Cowboys, of course. Uh, uh, on Thanksgiving, they play the Commanders or the Washington football team or the Redskins or whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, but uh, today I want to talk to you guys about something. <coughs> That's good. I want to talk to you about something. I would hope it would be something. I want to talk to you about something that I think that um, not a lot of Christians know. And if they do know, they don't know exactly how to uh, flow in this. Uh, And I want to talk to you about the financial benefit of serving God. The financial benefit of serving God. There is a financial benefit to serving the Lord. There is. I don't know if I should lead with this or not. There's a financial benefit to serving God. There there, there is. Um, God did did a work in in, in my life this week in this area. Uh, And I'm going to share that with you in just a little bit. But I want to trace throughout Scripture the wealth of God's people. That's how I want to start this. I want to trace throughout the Bible the wealth of God's people. This is something called biblical theology in The theology world. It is when you take a topic in the Bible and you trace it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Obviously, so I know uh, you know maybe someone will watch that's very theological and they'll hear me do this and it'll be like that wasn't a true biblical uh, theology study. No, because if it was if it was a true biblical theology study, it would take six hours for us to be here right now, and I'd be talking about every single mention of wealth in the entire Bible. We're not going to do that. But we are going to trace it throughout Scripture a little bit. If you go to Genesis chapter 13, I'm reading from the New King James today. I've just been liking my Dakes lately. Uh, I, I like that's what my Bible is. It's a Dakes Bible, and uh, I like it. Uh, however, the one thing I don't love about it, actually, I won't even get into that. Genesis chapter 13, verse one. <coughs> It says, then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Why did I read that scripture to you? Something to understand is that Abraham was just entered covenant with God in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12 God made a covenant with Abraham telling him that he would make him a great nation now his name was Abram at the time not Abraham God changed his name later on but uh, uh, he was Abram and God made this covenant that he would be the father of many nations that God uh, uh, you know made a three-part covenant with him and I'm not going to get into that that covenant right now but he became the father of Israel through this covenant that God established with him. And right after he enters covenant with God, the Bible makes mention in Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, that Abram was very rich, was very rich. And it doesn't just say, um, you know, he was very rich. And, you know, I know a lot of people would say, you know, yes, Abram was very rich in the Lord. He was very rich in, in the presence of God and, you know, very rich as a, you know, um, because, you know, he knew that Christ was going to come. And so he was rich in that promise. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it says this. It's saying rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Abram was in covenant with God and he was blessed because of it. We see that in the Bible. If you go to Genesis 14, many people, you know, p- perhaps could argue, uh, well, maybe... Uh, it was, you know, maybe God really wasn't the one that made Abram rich. Maybe it was someone else. Well, look at what Genesis chapter 14 verse 23 says. Maybe someone might even argue Abram was in sin because he was rich. Because, you know, Christians shouldn't be rich. Or, you know, people that serve the Lord should not be rich. Because technically it wouldn't be a Christian because Jesus didn't die yet. But in uh, in um, Genesis chapter 14 verse 21, it says... Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will take nothing that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Okay, what happened here? Abram, or Abram, Abraham is what his name got changed into. I'll refer to him as Abraham because that's that's the name that God gave him. Abraham, he refused to take anything from the king of Sodom. Why did he refuse to take anything from the king of Sodom? Because he said that he told the Lord that he would not take anything from him. Lest anyone say that you have made me rich. Why did he not want anyone to think that the king of Sodom had made him rich? He didn't want anyone to think that the king of Sodom had made him rich because he wanted everyone to know that it was the Lord that had blessed him. It was not a man that had blessed him. It was the Lord that blessed him. So Abram makes a clear distinction of this point in the Bible. And so we see with Abraham that he was rich, that he was blessed, that he was in covenant with God and he served the Lord and he was rich. So that's Abraham. Go to Genesis chapter 30, verse 43. And there's other people that I can mention in this as well, but I just chose a couple people because like I said, I realized that we we don't want to have a six hour video here. That'd be interesting, a six hour video. Genesis chapter uh, thirty, verse forty three. This is talking about Jacob and says in verse forty one. And it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they may conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were uh, Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. I'll explain kind of a little bit of what was happening. Basically, in the story of Jacob and Laban, Laban tries to rob Jacob multiple times. But every time that Laban tries to rob Jacob, I'm not going to get into all the details of how it was done and accomplished. Basically, Laban kept on switching different conditions with Jacob and said, you can have these animals and you can have those animals. And whatever animal he was supposed to have basically ended up being the animal that was born. Uh, you know, uh, let me. I do need to get into a little bit because that sounds confusing. Let, let me get into it a little bit. You know, it was like, okay, you know, Jacob, you can have any you know lamb that was that uh, that is spotted. And then all the lambs that were born were spotted, or it was, you know, Jacob, you can have whatever lamb, uh, you know, has stripes on it. I'm just coming up a random stuff for sake of simplicity of understanding. But basically what happened is that he, every single animal that was born start was whatever Jacob was promised by Laban. And so Jacob, what would happen is that God made sure that Jacob was blessed in every single way. Even though the world in this situation or Laban in this situation was working against him, God made sure that Jacob was prosperous. Why? Because Jacob was the one through which the covenant that Abram had came through. Jacob was the descendant that, that, was, uh, that received the uh, the line of, of Israel. In fact, Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. And we remember the whole story with Jacob and Esau. Well, it was Jacob now who would carry on the legacy of Abraham. And so everywhere that Jacob went, or and not everywhere Jacob went, well, no matter the situation, Jacob benefited. Why? Because he was in covenant with God. Because uh, God made sure that he prospered everywhere that he went. And so, Jacob is a prime example of in our lives, no matter what people may try to do to be able to keep us down or stop us from being able to prosper, when we serve the Lord, the Lord will make a way for us to be able to prosper. But that's Jacob. Jacob prospered. Jacob prospered. Go to 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. <coughs> First Chronicles chapter 29. I'm finding it myself. Sometimes it's easier when you have two hands to find a Bible verse. Not that I don't have two hands, but one of my hands is on the other side of the microphone. and I just don't feel like moving it underneath. Anyway, not that you need to know any of that. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 28. It says, this is speaking of David. I'll just read you verse 26. Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And the period that he reigned over Israel was 47 or was uh, 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron and 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. So he died in a good old age, full of days and riches and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his place." David received, was a man who was full of riches. The Bible says now watch this. David was also someone who was in covenant with God. He was someone who was serving the Lord and God made a covenant with David that actually in the part of David's covenant was that the Messiah would come through his line, Jesus. And so what, what's important to see here is that David, he was rich he was rich and he served the Lord and he was in covenant with God. An- yet another person in the Bible that had financial benefit of serving God. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 through 12. Somebody may be thinking right now, was it really, was it really God that was making these people rich? Or was it, you know, somebody else or were they in sin for having riches? Because a lot of, some Christians teach that, you know, it's a it's a sin to be rich or it's wrong to be rich as a Christian. You should really be very poor and lowly and all that stuff. Well, let's see if it really was God, which by the way, the answer is yes. In every single one of these cases, God made sure that they prospered in every way. There were supernatural things that happened in each of their lives that made them prosper. Think about this. David was a shepherd boy and then God promoted him to the palace to lead the people. And then David prospered because he served the Lord. But watch this. This is is what I call a no doubter because the text will actually literally say who did it. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. It says, "On uh, on that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and you have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father be established for you have made me king over people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours. So watch this. Solomon's desire was to have wisdom and understanding to lead God's people. And that's such a great thing. And Solomon didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for anything like that. Solomon asked for wisdom and knowledge. And the Lord sees that. And here's what, here's what God has to say. And says, then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for riches, asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for a long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings who had were, uh, um, have had who were before you nor shall any after you have the like. So here's what happens. God asks Solomon, okay, what do you want? Ask me whatever you want. And Solomon asks for wisdom and knowledge. What does God turn around and do? He says, okay, you'll get wisdom and knowledge, but guess what? I'm going to bless you financially as well. God doesn't say, you know, well, because you asked for wisdom and knowledge and, you know, Thank God you didn't ask for riches because oh, he's thinking himself. Uh, but uh, they didn't ask for riches, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, because I would never give you anything like that. You need to make sure that you're a very poor king and that, you know, you don't have very much because you serve me. That's not what God says. He says, I'm going to give you riches as a result of asking. What does this show us? This shows us a principle that is important in the Bible, that you need to seek first God. How was he seeking first God? Because he wanted wisdom and knowledge to be able to rule the people of God. He knew that that's what was needed to accomplish what God had set out for him. And so he sought first God. And as a result, God gave back to him riches. God blessed him. Just like it says in Matthew 633, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. And in that context, if you read it, it's talking about physical things. It's talking about clothes, it's talking about food. Those things will be added unto you when you seek God. See, notice how the goal or of serving God is not to receive money. That's not the main focus where, you know, people get mixed up on this. They hear people like me preach on the financial benefit of serving God. And they're like, there they are again, just serving God so they can have money. That's not why I serve God. I don't serve God so I can have money. I serve God because he created me, because he died for me, because he's worthy to be praised. I serve the Lord because of those reasons. But watch this, watch this, because I serve God, And because I believe his word, when the Bible says something, I believe it. And the Bible seems to suggest throughout the entire thing, and I shouldn't even say seems to suggest, it flat out says throughout the entire thing that there is a financial blessing to serving the Lord. And so I know that as a result of serving God, that I will receive financial blessing and I have no problem saying it. That I will receive, not might, I will receive, and we'll get to that in a second. So we have four people that we just talked about, Abraham, Jacob, David, Solomon, all wealthy, all had a financial benefit of serving the Lord the way that they ought to. And and we can't even deny that it was the Lord uh, uh, in Solomon's case, because the Lord clearly says that he will give uh, him riches. Psalm 37 verse 25, David says this, he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children uh, begging for bread or his children begging for bread. In other words, David's saying that all the needs of the righteous are provided for. They're not begging for bread. They're not begging for bread. Uh, You know, a lot of people will uh, contend that uh, okay, you know, yeah, those people in the Old Testament, you know, were blessed and stuff, but what about Paul? What about Paul in the New Testament? Paul was, you know, this and that and imprisoned and all that type of stuff. And what's interesting about Paul, and one thing that that is absolutely correct to acknowledge, is that Paul suffered a severe amount of persecution. Paul was in prison, Paul was beaten, all of those things. And I'm by no means saying that there is not persecution. In fact, I, I fully understand that in the Bible, that there is, a, there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a persecution that comes with following Jesus. And that's just a part of, that's that, that's a part of serving God. I get that. Jesus says, in this world, you have trouble. But most of the time, I've said this many times, people just quote that part, that in this world, you'll have trouble. But remember, Jesus also said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And so, yeah, Paul faced trouble. Yeah, Paul had some difficult situations. But for some reason, when we talk about Paul, we like to talk about all the bad things. And I say we, I shouldn't say we, because it's not this ministry, not not in this church. We don't talk about it like that. But many Christians talk about Paul and only focus on all the bad things bad things that happened in his life and never about the victory that that, uh, he experienced in his life. Uh, People don't realize this in the book of Acts. Paul was stoned and left for dead. He was literally stoned and left for dead. And guess what? The next day, he's up and around and he's springing the gospel as if he's completely fine. I hope you understand that. If someone's stoned and left for dead, it means that they're stoned and left for dead. In other words, that... The people there seem to think that he's going to bleed out and die. I think that they probably stoned him pretty good if they wanted to make sure that he that he was going to die. But what happened? He miraculously got up, and the next day he was preaching the gospel. Not even like he got up and God was just like, "Here, you know, uh, here, you know, Paul, let me like help you up," and you know, you could spend a couple of weeks in a recovery home and stuff like that. The next day he was preaching the gospel. He was out preaching the gospel again. Don't tell me that that's not miraculous. Don't tell me that that's not miraculous. God wasn't finished with him yet. He could not die because God was not finished with him yet. John in Revelation, I don't know why I'm even talking about this, but I think it will help somebody. John in Revelation, um, or John, the one who wrote Revelation, he was put in a, in a, in a, um, uh, a bat of, a bur- of a boiling oil, and they put him in, and it did not kill him, although it should have. And then he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Why didn't he die? Because God wasn't finished with him yet. I've said this before and I believe it. If, God, if someone is in the center of God's will, and that's the key, I, I don't believe that they'll die until, God's, until God is finished with them. I don't believe they can die until God's finished with them. And I have scripture to support that that I'm just not going to get into right now. I gave you two examples of it just now, but I'm not going to get into the the full scriptural explanation of that because we're talking about the financial benefit of serving God. But I thought that that might help you. But watch this, Paul. So we talk about Paul. People say, Paul, you know, he was poor, all that type of stuff. You know, his life didn't look like that. Go to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. A lot of people love this scripture, but they don't realize what what it's actually what, what's actually happening. Paul's writing in Philippians, and here's what he has to say. This is uh, Philippians is believed to be uh, towards the end of Paul's life. He says this in verse 18. Um, I, I don't want to read it from the from the New King James, not because it's not accurate, but because it it it, re, it like reads like very like like he uses words like abound. I want to I want to read it from the from like a translation that makes it more understandable to to us. Sure, NIV works. Paul. Poor Paul. That that we all say is poor. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epip- Epaphroditus the gift you sent They are a fragrant offering to God, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches uh, of his glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul, towards the end of his life, even he says, he says that I, I have full payment and I have more than enough. Towards the end of his life, that's what Paul says, I have more than enough. Paul is not saying that he's in need, he's saying he has more than enough. Paul says, yes, he says in that same chapter that he's learned to be content, you know, having little or having much. And that's that's a good thing to be. You should be content in whatever stage in life that you're at. And just a second, we're going to get into something uh, about that. But you should be content in whatever stage in life you're at, whether you're at a stage in life where you have a little or you have a lot. But the reality is, is that there will come a point in your life where you you will have a lot if you do the principles that the Bible promises. Okay, so now let's go to giving. Giving, this is where you know we see these people that have received the financial benefit of serving uh, of uh, serving the Lord, and uh, you, you've seen this. Uh, we see these people in the Bible that have received the financial benefit from serving God, and the, what did these people do that we kept saying? They were in covenant with God. They were in covenant with God. They served the Lord. And so being in covenant with God, what does that mean? That means obeying his commandments. That means serving him, giving your heart to him. And part of giving your heart to the Lord and giving your all to the Lord is obeying his commandments. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So part of serving God and being in covenant with him is obeying his commandments. And uh, you know, people, uh, people sometimes they don't see the financial benefit of serving God for, you know, they've been Christians for 25 years. They've never seen the financial benefit of serving God. And they wonder why, why don't I see the benefit of serving God, but they don't tithe. they don't give, they don't do any of that stuff. And the reason why they don't see that financial benefit to serving God is because if you want to see it, there is things that need to be done. There are things that need to be fulfilled. There are things that need to be obeyed. And there's two types of giving that are in the Bible. There's your tithe. Your tithe is, uh, your your tithe is um, ten percent of everything that you get. And I believe that you should tithe on your on your gross, not your net. Uh, what that means is you should tax, uh, you should um, tithe before taxes are taken out. So like if you make, you know, well this is this is you know a lot of students watch this, but you know if you're making minimum wage or whatever working at you know. Starbucks or, you know, a coffee shop or whatever, and your paycheck comes out to 500 or $500, but with taxes taken out, it's like 450 or, or 440. You should tithe on, uh, on the 500, not on the 450. That's, uh, I believe that because you are get the $500 is that's what you're making. And the government is taking out that money. And so you have 440. It's the same thing as paying an expense. So I believe you should tithe on your on the fullness of what you get. And I always think it's better to be safe than sorry when it comes to obeying the Lord, making sure you do everything that you can to obey him. But uh, tithing is 10% of everything you get. You give it to the Lord. Tithing includes, you know, the other day a kid walked up to me and, and gave me a seed uh, that they sowed to me. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm tithing on that. Like, I'm not going to keep that to myself. I tithe on everything that I receive uh, because uh, I I know that the, the Bible commands it. Go to Malachi chapter three. Go to Malachi chapter three. Again, we're talking about the financial benefit of serving God. Well, where does the Bible say that there is a financial benefit to serving God? I know you told me a couple examples of people who receive the financial benefit for serving the Lord. But where does the Bible actually say that there is a financial benefit for serving God? Where is, is there a promise in the Bible that I definitely will be blessed financially if I serve God? Because some people would say there's not. Okay, Malachi chapter three. We're gonna begin. Where do I wanna begin? We're gonna begin in verse eight. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Okay, so they're robbing God, robbing God. That's a serious offense to say that you're robbing me is what God said. Okay, what are you robbing? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me in this, says the Lord of hosts if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Oh, that sounds like a promise to me because God said it. He says, if you give, and notice how in the context, if we actually read it, it says, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. And so in, in, in this way, God then goes on and says, if I, um, Try me in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's a promise. You have to understand that. It's a promise. God doesn't just blow smoke. And no, God wasn't just, you know, talking to people of that day for, uh, and, and you know, it doesn't apply to us today. It does apply to us today. It's the same principle today. Yes, he was talking to the people at that time, but the same principle applies today. There was no time limit that was put on this on this scripture. God doesn't just blow smoke. He's a man of his word. He's not just gonna, you know, well, I did say that in my word, but you know, times are tough in heaven. So I'm not sure if I have enough to be able to give to you. That's not God. God owns it all. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns, he owns it all. God has, God has more than enough to be able to go around. Heaven's not broke. Heaven, the streets are with gold in heaven. Heaven's not broke. So God's God makes good on his promise when he says in his word that if you give to him, if you give to him, that he will open the gates of heaven and pour you out a blessing so big that there will not be enough room to receive it. Yeah, that's in the Bible. How many of you guys know that God just provides for our needs? Really? Because it says in this verse that there will not be enough room to receive it. Sounds like more than your needs to me. More than your needs, more than enough. That's what God will do for you. More than enough. But then watch this. And actually, let me say this. Some people say that tithing is a pre, uh, or is a uh, is um, now gone because the law has passed away. They say. So, you know, we don't have to tithe anymore because, you know, the laws We're not under the law, we're under grace. Something to understand is that in Genesis 14, Abraham tithed before the law even existed. The law had not been put into place yet. The, the Ten Commandments had not been given yet. And in Genesis 14, Abraham tithes before the Lord. Tithes to Melchizedek, 10%. Tithing is pre-law and it's still it's still for today. It's still for today. Well, watch this. Sometimes people will say, and this is always, this, this is bothersome. This is bothersome to me. They'll say that there's no financial benefit to serving God. There's no promise of financial benefit for, for serving God. Here's what God says about that. Remember, we're in the context of giving right now. We all understand that. We are talking about tithes and offerings. That is the context of this, of what I'm about to read to you. In fact, we're about to read two verses after that. That's some pretty serious context. Okay, we're like right there. Here's what God says to the people of Israel Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, What have we spoken against you? Okay, so they said something harsh and God said it was, uh, God said it was harsh. What have they spoken? You have said, it is useless to serve God. Other translations say, there is no benefit to serving God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even attempt, they even tempt God and go free. God said it was harsh to say that there's no benefit to serving him. He rebuked them for saying that there was no benefit. Why? Because he uh, why? Because they knew that there was a benefit to serving God even before Malachi 3 was even written to them. They already knew because they were children of Abraham and they would have understood that there is a financial benefit to serving the Lord. So then God reminds them that if you bring your tithes and offerings to me, that I will pour out a blessing from heaven for you. And then he goes and rebukes them. He rebukes them for saying, how dare you say there's no benefit to serving me? But yet many Christians today Well, how many of you guys know there's no financial benefit to serving the Lord? That's exactly what the people were doing in Malachi chapter 3. And yet we think it's fine to say that. We think it's fine. How many of you guys know money money isn't everything? Yeah, money isn't everything. I agree with you. It's not everything. This is not, uh, serving God is not about, get, it's not like a Ponzi scheme where you're trying to get rich quick. It's like, all right, let me like fake serve God, get really rich, and then, you know, I'll back out later. It's, it's not a Ponzi scheme. Serving God is about fully devoting yourself to him. But if we really are being fair and honest and fully devoting ourselves to his word, then we understand that his word also says that there is a blessing financially forgiving. There is a blessing. There's a blessing. do I want to read verse sixteen through eighteen? Yeah, I do because I want to make it make it clear on this. Some people might try and argue that this text is you know I don't know how you'd argue it, but I could hear people you know, well, you know this is maybe talking about for us you know a spiritual promise someday when we get to heaven. well, here's what the Bible says. Verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that on the day that I make them my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. I've heard it taught before that there is a distinction. But that there, uh, that uh, what this text was saying is that there would be a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the righteous and the wicked. And so, how can we tell that distinction between the righteous and the wicked? If uh, you know, if if it's in eternity, obviously, yeah. When we get to heaven, we're gonna you know know who's there. You know that serves the Lord and stuff. But what God is trying to show them is that there is a distinction that is gonna be made between the righteous and the wicked. That those that serve the Lord will be blessed and you'll see it. And those that don't serve the Lord, you'll be able to see that as well. And there won't be that blessed that same blessing on their life because remember, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich but somebody could also say, well, the blessing of the world can make one rich too. And you're absolutely right. When the Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and ha- adds no sorrow to it, Proverbs 10, 22. When you're rich with the Lord, when you're rich financially and you're a Christian and you serve the Lord, there's no sorrow with it. You're not going to, you know, end up killing yourself because you have everything this world has to offer, but you still feel empty. You have to understand that's why people end up killing themselves and harming themselves in the world because they feel like they're saying to themselves, I have everything. Why am I still not happy? Because it's easy for someone that's poor or doesn't have everything to say, well, I'm not happy and the reason I'm not happy is because I don't have everything. But for someone that does have everything and they still don't know why they're not happy, why they don't have any joy in their life, immediately they say, well, what's the use of this life anymore? Because I have everything. There's nothing else that could possibly make me happy. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. There's no sorrow with serving the Lord. But watch this. A lot of times people get frustrated when they give and they don't see an immediate return on what, on what they give to the Lord. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. While I do that, I want to share a story with you. This past uh, Monday... I was at a service with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth uh, on Monday. And, you know, uh, this, one, this will make sense in a second, but I just need to explain to you a little background. My wife and I have been giving for many years now. And I don't say that to, you know, toot my own horn or make everybody know, oh, he's such a giver. That's not what I'm trying to do. This is, this is to encourage you. This is to encourage you. My wife and I have, have uh, been giving for many years. And uh, I made a decision when I was 19 years old to begin to uh, really give into the kingdom of God. I'm 23 now. uh, So that was four years ago. I made that decision to do that. And then when me and Brianna got engaged, we made a decision that we will put the Lord first in our finances. That if it's between obeying God and sowing something that is significant to us or, you know, having a, you know, having the money to be able to pay a bill we're going to go and we're going to give the money to the Lord because we know, that, uh, we know that God will provide for us and take care of all of our needs because there is a financial benefit of serving the Lord. And so, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, me, me and Brianna just, we never have done, we've never done world's math. We've always done God's math on things. We just have. So like, you know, we just give stupidly sometimes. Like, it's people, like, if someone was managing my finances, they would tell me, like, you are going to starve and be on the streets. Like, what are you doing? Like, like, there's been those points in our life. There have been points, and again, I'm not trying by any means to pump myself up. I'm trying to encourage you with something right now about receiving financial harvest. There have been times where my wife and I have made a decision to clear out our entire savings account and give it to the Lord. That was a hard decision, to zero out your, your savings account. And just live on whatever money you have left in your checking account right there, you know, just just whatever's left for the month. yeah, there's been times where there's been times where we've given, and you know we, we don't get paid again for you know two weeks, and we have you know 300 bucks to live on for the next, I don't know, uh two weeks or whatever. And if you're married and you have a house and all that type of stuff, that that can be difficult, but we, we knew that the Lord had spoken to us, so we were willing to do that. And, uh, you know, and, and I'll say this, God, God took care of us every single step of the way, but we never really saw a full financial harvest come back to us or like a significant financial harvest. God helped us get our house very much. So he did, he very much worked in our favor with it. We, we bought a house that just so happened that the owners, uh, were willing to leave all their furniture and and we had a house that was fully furnished. We got the house for a really good price in a market that uh, was not favorable to homeowners, that are to homebuyers. Uh, we, we had supernatural favor with our car uh, and such that that we just bought, where we got it for three hundred dollars less a month than it should have. We should have gotten it for. So, like the blessing of the Lord has been on our life, but we we never had seen something as significant of what I'm about to tell you. I was at this service and. Uh, Evangelist Jonathan called out our entire uh, group that was with us. We had about 20 of us at the service and told us to come down to the altar. So I said, all right. You know, we went down to the altar and was lifting my hands, just worshiping the Lord. And he walks over to me and, you know, he basically just said some stuff to me that really impacted me. And he laid hands on me, prayed for me, and I felt the power of God come on me so strongly. I, I, I don't cry like ever. And I just like began to like cry. It was like, like, I can't even explain the type of cry it was. It was like, it it was like something I've never, I've never experienced before. Like I was almost like, like, like my mouth was like, my mouth was like making noises. I've never heard it make before. I know it sounds so funny, but uh, it, it, it was true. And I just was like, what is going on? And I talked to my friend afterwards and he was like, yeah, I saw that. He was like, God was really touching you. And I was like, yeah, he was. And I just felt something imparted into me that, that, in that moment from Evangelist Jonathan. And I, I got back up and, and really what it was is it was, like a, it was like a severe hunger for the Lord. And it was a severe hunger for the Lord and a desire to do great things for the kingdom of God. Because one thing he prayed for us is that we, would, uh, that we would have enjoyable ministry, enjoyable ministry. And I really just felt that deposit. And I went back to my seat. He prayed for me and my wife. And I leaned over to my wife, and I said, "That really impacted my life. That really impacted my life." I said, uh, "The you know I want to respond to this by giving to the Lord my, and by sowing personally into evangelist Jonathan." So I told my wife how much, and I uh, and my wife was like, "Okay." And the amount that I told her was a stretch for us. Uh, you know, you, you know, <laughs> you, you, I, you know, I have, it's not like I don't have bills to pay in life and stuff like that. It was significant though to us. And so I said, you know, that's, that's what we're going to do. And, uh, me and my wife, my wife, my wife is so great. She, she honors me as the, as the head of our, uh, of our home. I don't just, you know, force things on her, certainly not, but she knows that God speaks to me and she respects me in that way. And so she, she goes along with what, what I feel to do. Uh, and I listened to her as well. I consult her. I don't dominate her in any way, shape or form. But as a team, we, we made that decision uh, with me as the head. And we wrote the check. And after we were done writing the check, uh, I you know literally had just finished writing the check. It was maybe like a minute after. All of a sudden, Evangelist Jonathan looks over at us and he goes, I want to send $10,000 to the two of you for bringing all of these people to the service tonight. And he goes, Merry Christmas from Jesus. That's what he said. He said a little more. And it just blessed my wife and I so much. And I just couldn't, I couldn't even believe my ears, honestly. Like, it was one of those genuine moments. Like, I hate it when people do this. Like, like, you know, they're like, are you talking to me? It's like, yeah, I'm talking to you. Like, I'm looking right at you right now. But I genuinely, like, couldn't even believe my ears. Like, I was like, He's talking to us right now when he's saying this. Like, really? Like, what? Because the the reality is, is I expected a harvest. I expect harvest when I sow. sow. Just like if you sow, uh, you know, seeds into the ground, you expect something to come back at some point. If you're watering it and all that stuff. And what it was is that was a breakthrough seed for my wife and I. I full-heartedly believe he would not have sent us that $10,000. The Lord would not have spoken to him to do that if we did not choose to sow that seed. I full-heartedly believe that because what God was doing in that moment is he was saying, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Because I'll be honest with you, there was part of me, God, I've been sowing for four years. I've been sowing for four years and I've never seen anything super significant come back to me. There was one time where somebody uh, uh, gave us a $1,000 check uh, and uh, it blessed us, but you know, I, I had sowed more than that. So I was like, I expect to see more. If 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 you sow thousand uh, dollars at one point and you get a thousand dollar check back, that's not your harvest. That's getting back what you what you sowed. If that makes sense. So I was like, okay, well I, I've you know I want to I, I need to receive more than that. And I I, uh, I really believe in that moment it was a testing point for me where okay you've sowed so much. Do you believe the word of God uh, anyway, even though you haven't seen a significant harvest come back? And so. Uh, we did, and I believe that God honored that, and that's why that happened. Why did I share that story with you? Because Ecclesiastes 11. I know I told you to turn there a while ago. It says this. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on, uh, what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the South or the North in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. What this is actually talking about is this is about, uh, about sowing. It's about, you know, giving, uh, it's about sowing out your money. That's what this is talking about. And if you know, if you don't believe me, literally, uh, if you read any good Bible commentary that knows what they're talking about, they'll tell you the same exact thing. In fact, my study Bible by Dakes literally talks about this. That's literally talking about financial blessing. So what's happening, I know it's in the King New King James, so it's a little hard to understand, but it's talking about casting your bread or or spreading your money out, giving it out, giving out different uh, different seed because you never know which seed will come back to you. That's what it's talking about. And then it goes on to say, if the clouds are full of rain, they will, uh, they empty themselves upon the earth. You have to understand that when you sow, it's as if a cloud is being filled with water. How many of you guys know that when, when a cloud begins to fill with water, it doesn't start to pour immediately. It, It, you know, begins to drizzle a little bit and then rain a little harder. And then all of a sudden it pours and it can't stop until it's empty. That's what happens when you sow. You're sowing, you're sowing, you're sowing. The cloud is starting to get heavy, and the sign that you're starting to receive a harvest is when things start to drizzle. That's what happened. That's what happened with um, When when I received that uh when I received that that first $1,000 uh check, I realized it was drizzling. And so, in that moment, what do you do if when it begins to drizzle? You sow more. Why? Because if the cloud is already starting to get full and you sow even more, imagine how much fuller it's going to begin to get. And then literally it will start to downpour on you. That's what will happen. The blessing of God will downpour on you. I, I hadn't, I, I hadn't uh, received the harvest in, in a little while and I'd been sowing. This week I've received two. Why? Because the cloud is full. But guess what? I'm going to tell you this right now because this will help some, some of you. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying it to help you. I'm going to sow with some of the, that, that money that I, I that I received. Why? Because that's the smart thing to do. Okay, the blessing of the Lord is coming down on me right now. I remember who the source of that blessing is. It's from God. And so as a result, I'm going to take that, that money, That's that harvest that I receive, and I'm going to give even more back into the kingdom of God. And guess what? The blessing is going to keep raining harder and harder and harder and harder. So much so that I won't even have room to be able to take it in. It says, if, it says, and if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there shall it lie. In other words, if a tree falls down, it's gonna stay right there. This is, this is talking about the certainty of blessing. As certain as it is that a tree will fall down and stay where it lies, is as certain that it is that the blessing of God will come back on your life when you cast your bread upon the water. That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. So it's certain. It's certain. It's funny. People talk about Paul and they say, they act like, you know, Paul, you know, he was, you know, he's poor and, you know, so, you know, in the New Testament, you know, we don't really see that. Paul was the one that said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that those that sow uh, bountifully will, are so sparingly will reap sparingly and those that sow bountifully will reap bountifully. That was Paul that said that in the context of giving. Read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He's talking about giving. Um, Philippians chapter four, verse 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. What is he talking about? What's the context? Read the context. It's giving. He's talking about the Philippian church that gave to him, that sowed to him. And he says that, that God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. What's the context? Giving. There it is again. Jesus says, given it will be given back to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I had somebody in Bible college that just like just like, uh, just like his, has very bad doctrine. Let's just put it like that. Very bad doctrine. And I was talking to him and he was, you know, he was trying to indoctrinate this kid that was like a freshman with like bad doctrine, poverty doctrine and Calvinistic doctrine. And I stepped in because I didn't like what he was saying. He was telling this kid, you know, all this stuff. He sounded like an idiot, to be honest with you. And he, he, he and, and, and to be honest with you, th- this guy, he has, he had such a jerky personality too. You ever like, t- you ever like hear someone, someone talk and like, you just really want to smack him in the face, like really hard. Like it was like that. And like, he, he, hear me out. Like I did not, like I have self-control and stuff like that. And no, like, I'm not saying like, I hated that person. I know we're supposed to love all people. I understand that. I'm telling you in my flesh, I wanted to hit him in the face. Like he sounded very dumb and was like very arrogant about the way he was speaking. And so it, it, it provoked my spirit. It did It provoked my flesh too, but it provoked my spirit to be able to say something. And I walked up to, to him and I began to lightly rebuke him. And I used the scripture and I used that scripture in Luke, given it will be given back to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He goes, well, isn't that in the context of forgiveness? And I said to him, I said to him, well, the verse before is talking about forgiveness. You have to understand what's going on right now. Jesus is doing a teaching before these people and he's teaching a spiritual law that when you give it will be given back to you. It's so funny. I've heard people that preach that understand that he's teaching a spiritual law in principle in that text and they will use it and they'll say, you know, if you love others, it will come back to you. All that stuff. But then you talk about finance early, it's talking about forgiveness. It's like, uh, you just used to talk about love. Okay, fine. That's talking about forgiveness. You want to say that? Well, the Bible says as long as the earth remains that there'll be seed time and harvest. Same principle. Jesus is teaching the same thing. When you give, it will be given back to you. And not only will it be given back to you, it'll be pressed down, shaken together and running over. I think about it like this. You go on a vacation and you pack your suitcase like super tight. But then when you're on the vacation, you buy some souvenirs. And what do you got to do? You got to press that thing down. You got to go and you got to you know shove it in the crevices, all the extra stuff that you got. And you go back with even more than what you had. It's the same thing with God. You give something to him. God does not return it the same. He returns it greater than you gave it. Greater than you gave it. You might see initially a return on what you gave. But don't be deceived. That's not, that God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. And so you'll, you receive, you'll receive it. Yeah, you'll get that. But God is not going to just stop and say, okay, I'm just going to give you the money back that you sowed. That's it. God's going to make sure you get it back with interest. You'll get it back. I know that, you know, not everybody likes this, this type of type of stuff, you know, because they think that they call it the prosperity gospel and all this type of stuff. It's not the prosperity gospel. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. And the proof is, the proof is obviously I, we, we go based on the word of God, not our experiences first and foremost, never on our experience first and foremost. But if I'm saying it's in the Bible and I'm reading the scripture and I'm showing you in the Bible where this, where this is, and then I'm telling you my life and how I literally experienced someone give me $10,000 randomly. You just can't deny the blessing of the Lord. It's, it's so obvious God doesn't want you to struggle and barely get by. People, people treat our God like an abuser sometimes. Like it's difficult serving God and it's just very hard and you just won't have anything. And you'll, sometimes you'll starve and go hungry and all this type of stuff. And they make God out to be like he's a bad father. But the scripture says, if you good fathers know how to give good, uh, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Or your, will your father in heaven good, give good gifts to his children? There it is. There it is. God is a good father. He gives good gifts to his children. There is a financial benefit to serving God. I challenge you today, if you're not a giver, to give. You can give to this ministry. If this blessed you today, you can, you can give to this ministry. Say, well, this is where I heard it, and I want to bless this ministry. Did, did I do this teaching to get you to give to me? Uh, to give to, I shouldn't say to me because the money doesn't go to me. It goes directly to the ministry. Uh, but, you know, to give to the ministry, no. I'm not telling you to do it. To be honest with you, I, I don't take offerings anymore with, with uh, need attached to it. That's not the way that I take offerings anymore. I take offerings with vision attached to it. Uh, a have vision and impact attached to it. That's it. That's how I take offerings. I, we really don't need your money in this ministry. We don't. Because why? Because I believe that God would make sure that we were taken care of and provided for, just like he gave manna and quail from heaven, from the, uh, uh, to the Israelites. God can do that for me. And so I don't, I don't take this, I don't take an offering out of need, but I just feel to right now. There's a giving grace. There's a giving grace on on the message of prosperity and financial benefit of serving the Lord. There is. There's a giving grace that comes upon people where they go, I want that. Last night we took up tithes and offerings and uh, ironically, after I shared this testimony, the offering buckets were full. Why? Because there was a grace on it and people heard it and they said, I want to tap into that. If you're watching this and you want to tap into it, I'm not sure sure what Ben uh, can, can do. Uh, he may not be able to just for, you know, different reasons and stuff like that. But if, uh, if, uh, you know, if, if he can maybe put up a giving slide or something like that. Oh, you got it. What, what you, you can put one up? Okay, great. If you can't, it's okay. Don't worry about it. If you can't, if he can't do it, I'll give you this outlet. You can go to faithchurch.cc slash give, and you could select impact youth and give there. Um, again, if you don't want to give and you're like, oh, he's just trying to take my money, then don't give fine. I don't care makes no difference to me. So this is, this is for you to tap into if you'd like to tap into it. Um, and, uh, if you give to this ministry, I promise you that I I'm very serious about the way that we use our money. Um, in, uh, in, uh, is everything I can control. I'm very serious about it. And we'll, and, uh, we'll use it for the kingdom of God, use it for the kingdom of God. Um, but uh, I do thank you guys for tuning into this uh, broadcast. Uh, God bless some uh, those of you that have decided that you'd like to give to this ministry. Uh, if you'd like to you know, give a check to the ministry, you can make the check out to Faith Church uh, or to Faith Ministries, and you can put in the memo, Impact Youth, and you can give it to me next time you see me if you'd like to. Uh, if not, though, God bless you. Uh, if you do, God bless you. And I hope that you receive from this teaching. Uh, there is a financial benefit to serving God. And I want to be clear. I I just want to say this. I just felt this pop in my spirit. If you don't give, and it's not that you're against the message, you just don't feel to give, that's also okay. You should not give because somebody is forcing you to give. The Bible says don't give out of compulsion. Give because you feel to do so in your heart. That's it. So God bless you. I hope that you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll see you, well, not next week. We'll see you the following week. God bless.
1: Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through
0: 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly
1: podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.